Happy hour again from the Columns Hotel in Uptown New Orleans. Hello, I'm Grant Morris. The Columns Hotel is at 3811 St. Charles Avenue in beautiful Uptown, which is not so beautiful today. We've all just braved an incredible rainstorm, flooding and thunder and lightning to get here, but we are here bedraggled, but happy nonetheless. My special guests on Happy Hour this week, besides Mitch Foreman, who's on the piano, are Steve Himmelfarb from the Cake Cafe and Bakery. Steve, thanks for coming all the way uptown. Glad to make it. My feet are really wet. I know. I'm soaked right through and I'm freezing cold. Julie Arend, Nurse Julie, how are you feeling? I also am great and also foot soaked. Are you, are you soaked through? Your scrub seems to be no. relatively dry. The top is, is good. The white pants was a bad white idea pants. today. Yeah, me too. I had the yeah. same problem. Yeah. Dirt all over them. And Christoph Anderson in a bone dry t-shirt. How did you stay so dry? I don't know. I just parked outside and my, no I, rolled my, I rolled my pants up. So I don't oh, you did? Oh, very nice. And you've got oh, like little top side to of shoes. And top side of shoes. So okay, I'm, I'm, well done. I'm all set. Christoph is an amazing musician. We're going to hear from him in a little bit. Thank Talking you. of music, Mitch Foreman, how are you? Excellent, excellent. We've missed you for the last two weeks. Where were you? And I was in uh, New York. Anything happening? New York Any visiting musical interest out there? No, no uh, musical interest. Just sort of a family vacation, visiting some friends. Oh, very nice. Okay. Were you ready to go for the show today? Because we're talking about we're talking about changing things that change. You know, I, underwear. I'm, I'm changing. Something like that. You know. Okay. So I wanted, to, Steve. I wanted to ask you a question. I'm here. How's it going? It's going really well. Okay, that was it. <laughs> Thanks for coming. Well, that's by. it. Hey, well, all right. that was great. That was so, easy. 50, I, Fifty bucks, and that was it. There's a whole lot of stories about you uh, in New Orleans. Everybody knows about you. You're a celebrity in New Orleans. You know, it's it, there's two completely different lifetimes. Yeah, there's the lifetime which you and I met, uh, owning the recording studio and having a full career as a recording engineer and. You know, almost making it to record producer status, but actually very good recording engineer status. And then the whole Cake Man, which turned into the Cake Cafe. Right. Here we are 20 years later. How did you get into rock and roll in the first place? Oh, that's all I wanted to do. You just that, that was rock. it, man. That's you know, what yeah. Christoph says. That's that, all he wants to do is be it. in rock and roll, that's right? That's exactly it. right. Yeah, that's I mean, exactly right. What else know, is there? What else is there? What else is there? I don't know. Have you ever, you've never thought about anything else except music, Christoph, I, right? I worked a summer at a concession stand at an unnamed... Uh, I won't name what movie theater, and it was the worst job ever. Well, no. we'll go through oh, them all until we get to it. Was it yeah. Canal Place? Mm, I can't. I can't. I don't want to. <laughs> well, how bad, how, bad could it it have, how bad could it have been? It wasn't terrible, I mean, but how good can serving concessions be? Well, I don't know. Did but you get to see movies? I did get to see movies, but I got to see movies too many times. Way too many times. You because think you, it's really, you think it's really great, and you're like, I can eat all the free popcorn I want. I can see all the movies as many times as I want. And then after the second time, you see the movie, and after this third handful of popcorn in the same day, <laughs> you start to say, wait a minute. Like, well, most know, of the movies, is this all there is? Yeah. <laughs> most, of mo- most movies that come out are so bad, though, right? That's well, did true. You see I, one, did you see I one see that was some, good? What yeah. was the one good one that stood up to like five times that we could um, recommend? I guess, well, when was this? This was, I, I mean, I guess... 1963, something Yeah, that's, you know, when I was, when I was yeah. Um, no, this was, when I, this was only like three years ago, so... Um, you can't think of one. Another one doesn't... It was like, okay, oh, I liked the, the Up Pixar movie, Up. Uh, that was, I that watched was that, and they had, yeah, I watched that. Are you allowed to times. smoke weed or anything on the job there? I, no, I don't think so. They have security cameras, so... Oh, they do? Yeah, but we used to... Oh, that sucks, like, doesn't yeah. it? See, they had no security cameras back in the rock and roll days when no, you started were, out. No, there were no security cameras in my school, in high school. Were you, you know, where did you grow up? I grew up in Rockville, Maryland, which don't Whoa. go back to Rockville. <laughs> Let me tell you, I went back to Rockville, you know, last week or the week before. We took a 
family vacation. And I just got married, so I bring my wife back okay. to where I grew up. And and it, it, it makes Metairie look like the Ninth Ward. <laughs> okay. It's horrible. It, I mean, like, no, you know, no one should have to go to Rockville, Maryland. I'm sorry. Do you still have any family there? No. They're all gone. But you they're, wanted. They're so all congratulations gone. on getting married. Well, That's rather you. significant. Awesome. It, is, it took me 48 years. I pulled it off. Who did you talk into it? <laughs> uh, my very lovely wife, now Becky Himmelfarb. Wow. And it's always uh, shocking. It, it's always shocking to like have that moment of marriage. Like I'm married now. That must be shocking after 48 years of calling totally yourself. It's totally shocking, but it's beautiful. It's beautiful. Well, I mean, people I say totally when, when they get married, people say that either if they you were, you were you were living together before that, I see. Right, right. We we you know did the what they do now in the year 2000. You know, it's the two 11, Ks. By the 11, way. right? When yeah. the two Ks Just were. Case you know, we didn't have a kid first. We bought a house first. You did. So we bought a house. That's very brave. And yeah, we bought a house, and uh, and then we got married. You know, we didn't have a child and then get married. You bought the house yeah. together on the same piece of paper. So, um, well, basically because you know we all remember Katrina, and she lost her house, and we decided that we were going to put a new modeler home on her property in Gentilly, and then so it all that's how it all came together. So you're living in her on her old property in Gentilly, and a new right, modular in, home in our house. So you bought a modular home. That, was, right. that means something that you plopped down on the, on the ground. We designed, we designed, you know, we looked at some modular homes. Uh, there's a basic, you know, kind of double shotgun look to some of the modular homes that were designed. We, my thing was always to own a double shotgun and open the whole thing up. So this was buying a new double shotgun and we opened the whole thing up. Did we used oh, to call cool. this a trailer at one point? <laughs> it was, yeah, it was uh, much better built than a trailer. But it's the it's, same and it's concept. 12, 12 feet in the air. It is. It is the same concept, but this was definitely uh, an extremely well-built house. You don't have to have your friends come over and help take the wheels off or anything. Oh, hell no. Okay. Yeah, I think that's <laughs> no, a but we do thing. watch a lot of mass NASCAR. <laughs> but you did, take, yeah, yeah. you did take your wife to Rockville, Maryland on a, that was on a honeymoon. That was a <laughs> we don't need to do that again. How far that's is that it. from Baltimore? That's about an hour from Baltimore. Okay. It's Baltimore. Okay. I, was just Baltimore. In, I was just in Baltimore. Baltimore. And it was that's how you pronounce it if you're from there? Baltimore. 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 Really? Yeah. And so you grew, how old were you when you first got out of there then? Uh, when I was 18, I moved to L.A., and uh, that's where I got into the music business. What did you start off as in rock and roll? Uh, cleaning up midnight till 9 a.m. at a place called Cherokee Recording Studio. In Hollywood? Which, in Hollywood, right in the center of Hollywood. And that was a very old and famous studio and but very rock and roll. Midnight to 9 a.m., I thought that's when people were working, not when they were cleaning up a recording studio. Well, my job was to make sure the studios were clean when people were done working. And, uh, you know, I just went in there, you know, every day, midnight, and then... Um, Anybody famous? Um, Rod Stewart was in there when I was there. Paul McCartney. I cleaned up Paul McCartney. He's messy, nice. right? Yeah. And uh, what sort of mess did he leave? All right. Leave? So the loudest, the loudest. Oh, come on. No, yeah. the, the absolute loudest thing I've ever heard in my entire life was when they were mixing. When Roy Thomas Baker was mixing the first Motley Crue record, <laughs> I walked in. Now you have to remember. Now to picture this: old recording studios, real recording studios, were built as recording studios with like a foot, like six to eight inch walls, right. cement. They were like they weren't people's houses. <laughs> right. And so this was a real old recording studio. I, they wanted, you know, an extra another cup of coffee, and all the guys are sitting around there. I remembered very clearly, you know, all everybody from the band and their groupies and Roy Thomas Baker. And you walk in behind the console, I mean, in front of the console, so you're looking up at the from behind the console toward, you know, the people's Motley faces. Crew. Yeah. You're staring Motley into Crew. Motley Crew's faces. 
Now, I open the first door. There are three doors, and I hear door music. Door number one. Door number one leading to the hallway to the control room, and it's loud in there. It's like the airlock. It's the airlock. I touch the first door, which leads to another door, and it's vibrating. It is literally vibrating. So as soon as I push the next door open, as the second one opens, it is so loud. I mean, and Roy Thomas Baker, very famous producer, you can look him up, is vibrating behind the console. Like literally, it, literally shaking. like shaking behind the console. And they're doing like Shout at the Devil or something like that. And wow. that, is, that is my rock and roll moment. That's some rock and roll history there for you, Christoph. Yeah. I know. That's, that's yeah, that was hardcore. That's cool. That was awesome. That's Motley cool. Crue. Yeah. And, and I'd also, uh, Ray Manzarek was there, and I had a great experience with Ray Manzarek. That was, yeah, that was truly. Cool. What was, was the experience? Can't Make, talk about making that Making out with him? <laughs> well, he was great. <laughs> no, but a super, I will say this was a super nice guy, and I was invited to a private, um, uh, one of the engineers who I was working with, and I was like the lone cleanup guy, and the guy comes on the... You're uh, the janitor. I was the janitor, yeah. Okay, I was just so, a kid, but you know... So Ray Manzurk from so, the doors invites and, the and janitor to right, some sort to, of orgy uh, or something. Well, it wasn't an orgy, but it was a moment that will... Sitting there with Ray Manzurk and this other engineer, imbibing... For a moment, something probably that got me fired in the long run, but it was worth every second of it. What got you fired? Doing blow. Really? That yeah. in those days that you could still get fired for snorting coke. Well, I could from there. Because you because, were... because the whole thing was, you know, you were seen and not heard. You know, you were like, you know, I mean, that's what the whole thing was when you were an assistant or you were right. a cleanup guy. You know, until you reached a certain level, like you just were like underground. I thought that some but of the, everyone I took thought, care of, but everyone took care of you. Yeah, I was going to say. You know, I thought I thought you were the guy that got the coke for the other guy. That happened right. too. That happened too. Did you when, have to go out and so you had to score coke for the thing, and then they fired you for it? It is a fine line. <laughs> <laughs> no pun intended. No pun intended. <laughs> All right. Well, that's that, pretty interesting. Well, you dragged that out. Of me. I know that yeah. was like sixty oh. minutes now. Mm. That was awesome. That's pretty interesting. Right. So Ray Manzarek got you to get coke for him, and then he got you fired. And then what no, happened? He, no, that wasn't that wasn't that wasn't, that wasn't it. No, so what, that was just a rock and roll moment. What year was this? Like eighty, um, the early eighty-two. Eighty-two. Yeah. Julie, what were you doing in eighty-two? Eighty-two. I was uh, feathering my hair and wearing mom jeans and uh, studying lots of calculus. Mom jeans. Totally. Where? What's Little mom Rock, jeans? Arkansas? Well, mom jeans are the ones that you know that come up just below your bra line and. No. It's not good. It's not that, good. Was that the look back then? Totally, totally look in Little Rock, Arkansas. That was that's what we were rocking. That's that what all the, the cool be. girls were that's rocking. That's still the look in Little Rock, Arkansas. It's pretty, yeah, it you're right. Office? Actually, yeah, we were just there last week, and it's it's not changed much. No, no. Christoph, do you get to Little Rock at all? I've, no, but I can't. So you're imagine. just being, you're just taking just, a cheap <laughs> shot. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay, that's all right. That's okay. That's okay. That's okay. What Orleans. were you doing back there last week? You went on a honeymoon as well, were you? No, no, not a honeymoon. But I am dating a lovely, lovely man who um I I took him home to be blessed by my my childhood girlfriends and. Wow, that's uh, and a pretty big deal. Yeah, for a guy to be it was taken, okay. looked over by right. the girlfriend. It went, it yeah. went all right. It went really well. Um, did they call up afterwards and say we love him or what? No, you, they friended the him on Facebook. Doing? They did. Yeah. Good well, you're on, man. That's it. You're on. That's, that's it. That's I mean, it. that's yeah. You're that's, in. Then. Yeah. Okay, so you didn't make a bad choice. You came to New Orleans and you met some guy. And yeah. All the girlfriends like him. I, I know. I'm like going, wow, when, 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 when? This is great. Very good. Yeah, what would have it. happened if you'd gone home with the new boyfriend and the girlfriends that said, Are you crazy? This guy's nuts. Um, my would you have believed them? Uh, they've you seen me through many, iter- not many, because that would be weird, but a number <laughs> of iterations of boyfriends. And so if they had um, 
kind of said, Jules, you know, what's the deal? I might have given it a second thought, but psh, this one's too good. I might, I don't know that I would have, I would have just you said, have push up. To it. No, yeah. not with this one, no. Yeah, that's a good He's thing. It's pretty right? great. That's why we don't listen to any of our friends, really, isn't it? Friends you are know, stupid. Whatever. <laughs> yeah, just do it. Christoph, do you have a girlfriend? I, I, I anything? Um, have been, uh, yeah, I do. I'm not supposed to say that, but I do. You're not yeah. supposed to say it. There's a lot of things he hasn't supposed to say. Okay. I'm why why to wouldn't that. you be supposed to say why that? Why am I not? I've been advised, advised by my manager not to, not to uh, say that. Okay. <laughs> no, but that, I do. Uh, who's I do. your manager? Yes. You? No, no. Do you have a manager? I have two managers. Do you I have, really? Wow. I have one Great local heavens. manager and one, one manager up in, uh, in New York City. Wow. Yeah. Who's the local guy? My friend Dan Helfers, who, uh, who graduated from Loyola a few years ago. And um, what what are they doing for you, these managers? They what do they do? Uh, they tell me when my music sucks and tell me to work on it harder or then wow. tell me when it's okay. cool. How does, how does that feel? Like, I mean, you it's know, great. if you're real I passionate mean, about stuff and be, if someone says, nah. To be honest, they're like probably the two people that I would send my music to. It's like my two managers and my dad that I will always trust with, with my music. Um, but, yeah, so, I mean, I send them, like, I'll work on something for like 15 minutes, just start it, and I'll send it to them. Um, and I think they they know me well enough, and they know how I work well enough that they can kind of see where it's going and say, try this maybe. Or, or so you don't want to go longer than fifteen minutes in investment without seeing if it's no, any yeah, exactly. Boy, that's really <laughs> that's really great. So you don't yeah. waste any time. Fifteen no, minutes is it, to. and if Dad doesn't like it, out it goes. Yeah, exactly. Is your dad a musician? He is. Yeah, yeah. He. Uh, what does he play? He plays guitar. Has played guitar since he was, wow, like probably. 14 or 15, I think. In, in New Orleans? Yeah, yeah. He grew up He grew up on Britannia Street, um, and he went to Tulane and uh, was a music major, I think, until he decided that music wasn't really for him. I mean, I, he, we come from a very musical background. My gr- grandfather was the opera conductor here when there used to be an opera here. Wow. Really? Um, yeah. What and was his name? Uh, Knut Anderson. Okay. Uh, he, they all come from Germany. So you have Anderson with two S's. Which two is S's. The, is that German? Is, it's German, yeah. Christoph Reiner Anderson isn't very, isn't very nice. New Orleanian. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, but so, yeah, I, I mean, music was, music was really important to him until he like, kind of realized, I think he wanted to be more settled and wanted to live here and not have to travel and not have to live like a rock star, rock star mm-hmm. lifestyle, I think. And You're uh, looking forward to living like a rock star. I have, could not be, <laughs> I could not, wait, uh, yeah. I'm Let's take a listen to some opposite. of your stuff. What are we, why don't we listen to what you're doing here is so completely different from what anyone else in New Orleans is doing. That's the point. Yeah. That's the point. Did you yeah. set out to do that specifically? Exactly, yeah. You did, really. You made a decision. Yeah. I didn't want to be like any of these other suckers. Yeah, I mean, not not to be mean, but I, I mean, I've grown up here, and so I've been around New Orleans music, and I, personally, I uh, I just, I can't get into, I, I can't get into, like, really long, like, the long brass band jams, and, like, I, I kind of grew up listening to really structured songs and a lot of, like, yeah, uh, I was telling you earlier, like, my parents kind of brought me up on, like, new wave stuff, like, uh, Tears for Fears and, like, New Order and all those kind of things. So, like, everything's pretty structured and very synthetic. Let's take um, a listen to What are we going to listen to? You so this pick is, uh, a song. Yeah, so the first one is uh, my latest track that came out um, on my own label called Hearst Recordings um, called Getaway. And this was, uh, yeah, this is kind of a good example of m- my, uh, my style. <laughs> Okay, Christoph Anderson. (laughs) 
Christoph Anderson and Get Away. Wow, yeah. very, very nice. nice. Thank you very much. What did you think Peace, of that, peaceful. Steve? Yeah. That was, did that take you back to 1980-something? It did. It did. Absolutely. Didn't it really? 1986, you know, May. That's what I was, yeah, I was feeling. <clears> May? June. May? June, maybe. June, June the 2nd, June the 3rd, something no, like that. You know, I mean, but, but it's very, sure. um, no, there's, there's, I think, you tend, you don't tend to hear that type of music in New Orleans yeah. very much. You tend to hear it kind of more up in New York. You'll hear that kind of at a peaceful moment in a club, if that can be mm-hmm. kind of basically put there, or... Uh, you know, I, I mean, that's something that I would condemn. There's definitely a New York sound going on there that I think. I, yeah. Am I, am I wrong by no, the influences that I'm hearing? No, not, no, no. I, I can't sit here and say that I know any particular artist along those lines, but I, mm-hmm. I, I hear your influences and yeah. I hear where they come from. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's, uh, you know, I certainly understand where you're coming from with regards to um, wanting to back away from kind of the New Orleans thing. But I think that one of the things. You, you know, you probably you'll realize, or if you don't already realize it, it's in your blood. You, oh, absolutely. You, you know, you know that. Yeah, no, you know, I mm-hmm. think, I think that track in particular, um, there isn't a whole lot of New Orleans influence, mm-hmm. but there's like a lot of my other tracks, like for example, like my the first track I ever released was called Tuxedo, um, mm-hmm. and that has like a really, really like straight up Neville Brothers kind mm-hmm. of baseline that like I never really have. I never listened to them that much. I mm. mean, I kind of grew up hearing sure. them around, but like it, I think it just kind of come out uh-huh. sub, it comes out subconsciously. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but I think my like not to say I'm not downing all New Orleans music. Like I think Terrence Blanchard, for example, is a huge influence on me. Just like because it's cinematic. Mm-hmm. I like mm-hmm. really cinematic sure. visual music. You know, mm-hmm. that, like um, and you can I, I hear that. Yeah, you can kind of hear that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he's yeah again he's kind of like a big where do you player. play that kind of music now? So Does I it just go to radio, or what do you do with it? I mean, some radio stations. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's. I mean, uh, I mean, in terms of local radio, like Tul plays that track, and they've been really nice and played a lot of my other songs too. Um, but like, yeah, some contemporary or electronic radio plays uh, plays my stuff. And then in terms of performance, um, yeah, I just got off tour, just kind of doing like a little bit, like a few like northeast states, and then flew it to LA, and then did like the South by Southwest oh, thing. Yeah. And, very so, nice. So yeah. it's starting to happen. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's been you making some money. You have to have. A yeah. day, do you have a day job or anything? <laughs> I don't have a day job now. Well, no. that's pretty awesome. Yeah, yeah. You I, can I, make a living. But there's a couple of other bands that we've, you know, we've had here on on mm-hmm. the show. Sun Hotel. Sun Hotel. They're good friends of mine. We both go to Loyola. We're both music industry students there. Okay, cool. so you go, you go to school. At uh-huh. oh, yeah, you, yeah, yeah. So you're in school. Mm-hmm. And what about this band called the the Generationals? Do you know them? They're I know them. Yeah, yeah. I actually, they're also played, a pop band. I've, I think I've company. played with them once, but I don't really know. I, I so know there is of a them. bit of a pop scene here in New Orleans that's going on between yeah. all you you guys. There's a lot of there's a lot of cool yeah. Um, and electronic music especially is getting a lot bigger here. Uh, my friend actually yeah. So my manager um, about like almost two years ago started this party called Electronic Takeover. Which was was kind of like a monthly concert that would bring in people, and it, it started with like a fifty, um, fifty, like fifty person right. thing uh, at the Maison upstairs, um, and it has since turned into a, a like a like we do probably like six hundred to a thousand people every oh month awesome. now. Wow. Um, awesome. And wow. last weekend we were just in Baton Rouge at the Spanish Moon, and we sold out. So that was kind of, that was a good fun. Wow. Yeah. Oh, and, is that, good. and you do it, right. I mean, do you, do you do it live? I mean, Yeah, yeah, we all play live. Um, do you have a band, or you get No, no, there? I play, it, it, it changes. So uh, I either, like, use, like, turntables and DJ and stuff, or uh, use lots of, like, my laptop and, like, lots of other equipment. Um, and you, eventually, yeah, yeah. I'll, eventually I'll be doing stuff with, like, 
um, with like a backing band and doing my vocals live and stuff. It's so. a fascinating world. Like this is this yeah. is a total world. First of all, I love the art of recording. Love the art of recording something. Yeah. That, I mean, that's my world. But I'm learning more and more about what you're talking about, mm-hmm. where you've got laptops, you've got you know, obviously there's always been synthesizers around, but but everything's run off a laptop. Mm-hmm. It's it's a fascinating world that I only know so very little about. I mean, the but, only uh, reason I know how to do that stuff um, mm-hmm. is I kind of grew I went to NOCA for high school for four years, um, who's Steve Reynolds, if you know sure, him. Sure, I he, know Steve Reynolds very well. Yeah, yeah. so mm-hmm. he's a pretty good engineer around town. He mm-hmm. taught me basically everything I know, and uh, gotcha. I was a media arts student there. And wh- um, when did you graduate? I graduated in 2010, so I'm, I'm, I'm going to be a sophomore in a gotcha. college right now. Gotcha. Yeah. So, so you, rec- you, you play all these parts yourself, right? Yeah, yeah, that's all me. Okay, so then you put them all down on a... On a uh, computer, yeah, you know, record them. So not even there. tape anymore for crying out loud. <laughs> I mean, I'm, and then you I take mean, the computer out of your bedroom and you stick it on a stage, exactly, and then you sing the yeah. vocal live. Yeah, yeah, or uh, yeah. So everything. My studio is a desk, a laptop, right, a little interface, and then like a keyboard. And I mean, I basically, I mean, I do a lot of my stuff on the road too, and I record vocals wow. in my bathroom. And, and uh, the ba- you record vocals in your own bathroom. It's got a good yeah. sound. That it's got a really yeah, nice yeah. sound. It's it kind of so ambient. We yeah. used to call that. We used to call that karaoke. Yeah. 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 Remember, <laughs> you used to go to a club and there'd be a guy getting up there and singing along with a you know some sort right. of backing track, mm-hmm. and right. we called it karaoke. Now it's now it's a uh, yeah. Now I it's mean, an okay way to make a well, living. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and again, my my live show is changing as we speak because I'm a lot of the stuff I'm I'm working on an actual debut album right now. Um, which is terrifying and fun at the same What's time. What's the terrifying part about it? Because you have so, like ten tracks up there on right. SoundCloud. So I've yeah yeah I've released um, four EPs on my own label. Um, I started a label just because the labels that approached yeah, why me. Yeah, man? Start your own label, dude. The labels yeah, that absolutely. approached me, uh, I wasn't really, I didn't really want to sign with, and I weren't, I, w- I didn't think they really had the right idea of what I was trying to do. Hmm. Um, so my manager and I said, you know, like why not? We could do this ourselves. So we like absolutely. Figured out our signed distribution company, signed PR company, and uh, and we've been doing it ourselves. So that's uh, yeah, amazing. That's and great. you graduated from high school last year. That's phenomenal. Yeah, yeah. So oh, cool. That's awesome. So what is having um, a label? Because I know um, I know that uh, I think Mitch Foreman has his own label, don't you, Mitch? Yes, I do. But what does it mean? What does it mean having your own label, Mitch? To you, you just you just put stuff out. Yeah, I think it's the same it's the same concept. You have more control. You do put out wherever you want. You can control how much money you put into promotion, where it gets distributed. It, these days, yeah. it's pretty easy. Yeah. So is there any reason to have a regular big-time label behind you now? If someone gives you a lot of money and can pump a lot of money into promotion. Do they do, they that, do that anymore? I mean, it depends on... A rare... I was talking about, you know, I mean, if you sign with a big big label now you basically have to sign a 360 deal which is you know the label gets percentages of everything you do you know concert you know tickets merchandise everything um the only like there are actually like and a lot of people um especially where i've like i'm only a year or two into my music industry education but i feel like a lot of people are um teaching like 360 deals are horrible and don't do that if you're an artist there are lots of artists right now who are touring who make their money solely off of like huge huge extravagant shows you know no one really buys the album but you release the album so you have new material to play on your huge headlining slot you know um so in that case if the label is going to put up money to fund this huge show and um and people still come like i don't think that signing with a 
major label is that big. Of, I think it's fine. I think it works. You, you would know, do it if somebody, if the right major label. Yeah, came I mean, again, what about Masters Jazz as a as a label? Yeah, yeah. no. Well, not. it's also, I mean, when you look at it back in back in our day, <laughs> you know, that was the thing. You wanted to get signed by a label because they were the only people that had any control to be able to do that. There was only, there was very little outlets for music. Mm. I mean, I worked for Capital for six years, and. You know, everyone's goal was to get a label, but I would always, to get a label signed, I was always say, do it yourself. There are, yeah. you know, do it yourself until you get to a point where a, a label can help you out. Is where, that why you got fired from Capital, but were telling people not to sign with them? I would walk behind, yeah, that's what I would do. I would, I would stand outside the lawyer's office, you know, don't, don't do sign it. for God's sake, yeah. don't sign with them. But, you know, just, it's the same thing, uh, but there are so many more outlets now for people like Christoph to be able to get out there and do their own label till you actually, I mean, you could sell, you could sell a couple hundred thousand, you know, units on your own yeah, and then you're writing your own ticket and yeah. there's no reason for you not to be able to do that. And then, you know, all you really need is management, but there's no reason to sign with a major label until you get to a point where right. I can't fund this million dollar a night show. I mean, also, I mean, a lot of the, the, People my age now, where do you get your music? It's all like yeah. you know, off of like websites or blogs mm-hmm. or you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, and getting onto those things is not that difficult. You know, the first the first track I ever released, um, I really just like finished it one day and um, and I was like, oh, this is kind of cool. So we like <laughs> looked up emails of people on the websites that we read and sent it to them, and the next day it was posted, and we got like thousands of downloads which is like that's how you do it now you don't need wow. to you don't need awesome. to yeah see yeah. mitch foreman you didn't have to spend hours and months and years working on this stuff and traveling and I, I have playing, a question how to, playing a band yeah how does that how does that translate into money for you so i mean most of my income comes from performance or um oh, so the downloads is is just yeah i mean i would i mean so yeah everything's up for you can buy it on iTunes or Amazon or wherever. Um, you have stuff right. for sale on iTunes. Yeah, yeah. But the only reason I have it on sale for iTunes, or like on iTunes, is because that's just like one more medium that people can get the music. I mean, I give it all. It's I all can, publicity, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, and we gave away all the singles of the EPs away for free. Um, like, I just want as many people to hear it as possible. I don't care if. And I mean, I don't. I, I mean, I think more and more artists are like that now. That yeah, that one I don't get. Just giving it away. I, I don't get. I don't get the uh, um, because because. L- let yeah. me give you an example. Like, okay, so some kid was like, "Hey, uh, some kid in I can't remember, like Boston was like, oh, like I heard this track. Um, is there a way I can find? Like, where can I find it? Where can I get it?" And I was like, "You know what? Just here. I'll email it to you right now." And the kid then a week later booked me for however and paid me. Ah, really okay, well, cool. yeah, yeah, yeah. that was a one that, in a million though. That's, wasn't yeah, it? I'm not really. I mean, that's that's I've got like kids email me all the time and say, "Hey, will you play this concert or this party or whatever?" And they pay well and okay. enough that I can. Okay, like, all right. Book hey, the listen, whole I, want to, I want to talk about the Spanish language, but first of all, let's have a listen to some music from Mitch Foreman cool. on the other side of the coin completely. No electronics whatsoever involved in this. Cool. Uh, Mitch, what are you thinking of playing here? Hey, I'm going to play a song written by the great uh, Bill Evans, piano player. It's called Waltz for Debbie. Oh, yeah. You'll all sing. Oh, everybody Can sing. Can we sing along? along? Okay. Yeah. I have to talk about that in a moment also. Okay. On the other side of this.
Walsh for Debbie, Mitch Foreman. That nice. is beautiful, wow. isn't it? That's gorgeous. I know. Thank you. What do you think of that, Christoph? No, that was really good. I love that. That guy's a great piano player sitting over there. Absolutely. Absolutely. I know. Hard to believe. You look at him and Hard you think, think, how could that guy do anything? And, then, <laughs> and he does that. Mitch, what are we going to say uh, about singing along with that song? Oh, singing along with Mitch is that next week I'm going to play a preview of my new CD, which is called Sing Along with Mitch. It really, um, you have a new album coming out called Sing Along with Mitch? Yes, I do. What's the concept of Sing Along with the Mitch? The concept is uh, there's seven vocalists and uh, acoustic piano playing songs that you mm. all know and love if you're over 40. <laughs> cool. So I'm kind Very of out nice. of the loop there. <laughs> you're yeah. cut off. Yeah, so. yeah Christoph. Yeah. Like, well, it's an education for you. It's the other That's side. Of the yeah. Yeah. There you go. Hey, so, um, so Julie, you grew up in Little Rock, Arkansas. I did. And you were a Spanish translator. Yeah. How does uh, that happen? Well, I, I, I came to Tulane in 84 as a um, math computer science major again because of the, the calculus I mentioned earlier. You did mention and, calculus. Uh, I did. Earlier. And freshman year realized that I was not so good at the calculus. And uh, Did you still have the feathered head? Totally feathered. Yeah. Totally. Although I was, I had, I had started perming, which was, you know, again, 80s. Yeah. Totally rocking the Perming perm. was in here. It was very, very in, yes. And, um, and uh, found that I, I had to take a Spanish class because Tulane required me to have a language in my Latin, again with the calculus and Latin, uh, Latin. didn't apply. That's awesome. Latin isn't a Yeah, I could do all sorts of crossword puzzles and stuff, totally rocked the crosswords, not so much with the communicating with I life humans. I love those correlations you don't see coming really kind of like coming Yeah, together. baby. How do, so, so you learned Latin in Little Rock. Learned Latin. Which is actually a, a pretty good sentence, actually, if you're looking I for a lyric. I did. Learned Latin in Little Rock, <laughs> lots of alliteration. Right. Lovely. Um, <laughs> And, uh, yeah, so, uh, so I started taking Spanish and uh, did a junior year abroad program and came back and graduated where, where with a degree. Where did you do a junior year abroad program? In Madrid. Wow, that's a pretty fabulous. good place to speak Spanish. Now, that's two different types of Spanish, though, right? Well, it was. Most of my professors were from Honduras and, and other places in Central America, so I got over there, and my accent was immediately ridiculed. But um, <laughs> Yeah. Uh, but Isn't it totally different with the totally. TH and everything? Well, I got off the plane, and they were talking about vosotros, which is like a – like a y'all, like a f- familiar y'all. Um, and uh, I'm like, I, I don't know what that means. <laughs> I, I don't know what you're saying to me. So uh, I lived the first month with this family that was like slinging their vosotros at me. And, um, and for the first three weeks had these headaches, these piercing headaches. I and have that too. Is that what it's from? It's because of the Not Spanish. It's because Spanish. of the vosotros, yeah. Oh, my yeah, God. It's, I know. I it's, a lot better. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. got to feel better now. Yeah, thank She's you. a nurse. That's <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> So, uh, but it just, it clicked one day. It really just kind of, uh, you a, just a switch found that you could flipped. speak Spanish. That's I, I woke up one morning and went down to breakfast and was like, dude, I totally understand what you're <laughs> saying. It was awesome. <laughs> and then that was my thing for a while. And I, uh, so then for the next 20 years, you spoke Spanish I still professionally. Do some, I mean. Yes. And I still do some freelance translation, but, um, what did you do? Tell us what happened. You came back from speaking came Spanish back from for a Spain, year. Spain, uh, started working at the airport as a, an interpreter in customs back when we had international flights here in huh. New Orleans. And, what, uh, how does that work? An interpreter on customs? What does somebody... Yeah, seriously. They were like, okay, well, we need people to interpret for major drug busts and other important state visits from foreign dignitaries. Hey, let's get those college students. Okay. So that was what the interpreter program okay. at the so New So how did that work? Airport so was. someone's going through customs and, and the would, customs person says, open your bag. Well, what they and first say is, that. open the bag. And I'm like, that's still not Spanish. So I would have to come over and... <laughs> Why are we speaking <laughs> If you Spanish? talk louder, right. it changes to another language. So, so, yeah. Did you so, bust anyone? 
Yeah, I totally. I saw a huge cocaine bust, which was very awesome. And so I'm all like going, oh, my gosh, I don't know how to talk about drugs in Spanish. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, what's the word for cocaine in Spanish? Cocaina. The same word? I guess it is. Same word, yeah. Do you guys want a drink talking of drugs? No, No, I'm good. good. You good? No, no, nothing? This round? God, I'm so sorry about that. No, you're fine. I'm just making sure. Okay. Mitch will have one. They'll get another one for I'll have a drink. Mitch Foreman, what are you drinking tonight? Uh, I just have some water here. Oh, you just got water on the piano. Okay. I guess that's safe at yeah. this point. And so, wh- so what do you have to say, excuse me, is that cocaine in Spanish? What is the Spanish yeah, for that? Yeah, the, the uh, bueno, eh, perdóname, señor, pero eh, lo que usted tiene aquí es cocaína. <laughs> pues no, 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 no. It's jabón. It's like Monty Python. It's soap, you know, or something. And, but they had these, these um, shirt boxes that were like these uh, boxes for dress shirts. And they had a, a cellophane cover so that you could see in them so that the inspectors wouldn't feel pressed to have to open them. They were like, no, 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 you don't have to open them. Look, you can see through the cellophane. It's a shirt. And you pick it up and it weighs like a laptop, you know, or something. And they were like, hey, wait a minute, you know. And there were... 25 or 30 of these in these wow. guys' bags. And so I was all cool with the, you know, like, yeah, bienvenido a los Estados Unidos. Holy crap. You know, and it was, mm-hmm. it was really, it was kind of cool. But, and we had to stay there all night and so how long did searches. How, cavity search? Total cavity search. You weren't searches. involved with that. Did you have to I translate that? With, in general, I, in general, they brought the men in for the cavity searches with the male passengers, but I was there for a couple of the women. And the women, in general, were just these, like, 85-year-old ladies from Colombia because they would say, Colombia, you've got to be a criminal. And I'm like, oh, dude, I'm so sorry. Did they really? They really did body cavity searches on eighty-five-year-old yeah. women just because you're Ugh. from Colombia. It was kind of. It was kind of hateful. Wow. Yeah. When we think the yeah. TSA is bad now. Yeah. No. Nothing on. Talking nothing about on. that old lady had to take a diaper off. Yeah. Is that a true story? Oh, even. On. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if that's true. It was in the paper. That doesn't mean it's true. But back no. then they were. Well, if it's a textbook, it's totally exam. true. And did they find anything in the anuses of these 85? I was not <laughs> present to an anus discovery, an anal you were, discovery. So, no, we would have no. been funny if they found something. They it would have been totally been, like, like you know, oh, yeah. there's another yeah. shirt box. Nice. Okay. Yeah, no. <laughs> another shirt box. No. Up your ass. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Man. Wow. So, okay. <laughs> so is, is that what you did for a living? That was your definition I did of interpreting a for a while. And yeah, I interpreted. Uh, interpreting is the spoken stuff and translation is the written stuff. I did that Oh, hang on. Solid say that again. Interpreting is interpreting spoken. Interpreting is spoken, right. Translation is Translation's written. written. Oh, I didn't know yeah, that. Yeah, so you can Steve throw that Lowe? around at Who your next you? dinner party. Well, hey, you know. Crystal? Crystal? No, and you're like half foreign and you didn't Yeah, there you go. Yeah, see? You learn something every day. And there you go. Okay, so I forgot that already. So you you had enough of that after 20 years. Enough of that. And so I was hired by a company who hired me to translate their computer manuals and uh, I did that for a while and, but I kept seeing all these people like going to these wonderful foreign places but because I was a written translator at the time they're like you're translating manuals of translating computer manuals, manuals. manuals. totally hot totally hot you're translating them out of Spanish or into, into Spanish it, from English into Spanish this was a banking software company that was selling this wow, software wow could there be a like, more where, you, where were you doing this Where's, in, here little, in, in Little Rock in, in, I in went little, back who knew? sans who knew? the feathers sans the mom jeans <laughs> Yeah. Rocking a whole new European attitude. It was so there's awesome. a whole bunch of people in Little Rock translating banking translating computer stuff. manuals, software manuals into Spanish. Yeah, this was kind you of a big deal for Little Rock. You think Little Rock in those terms it at all, do you? It is the megalopolis that no one knows about. It's exotic. It's truly, really? Oh, it's completely exotic. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, totally. you must have been drinking a lot then. 
Well, yeah, there was a there was a period of time, yeah. How could you do that for a job translating software into Spanish <laughs> and then little? Oh my God, that's horrible. Well, no, it was it was it was pretty cool and and. Oh, uh, was it? It was actually fun. Oh, I mean, okay. translation well, to me I'll is like working back. crossword puzzles all day. It was just like a nerd's heavenly dream. It was. Oh, I'm getting a little overclamped thinking about it. Ooh, it was lovely. But um, so I, I said, "How can I travel?" And they said, "Well, if you were a, if you were a programmer, you could travel." I'm like, "Well, teach me how to program." And they went, "Okay." So they taught me how to code and immediately sent me to Poland. Nice. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> the exotic location Be of Warsaw. What you wish yeah. for. Yeah. So, From Little Rock to Poland. Little Rock to Poland. Well, you got to be a computer programmer for a while. I did. I did that for another 10 years. Oh, my God. Then, you must uh, be way older than you look. Because well, oh, it's almost impossible. You stop it now. <laughs> You're so crazy. Um, yeah, so uh, so at about age 38, we, we, we had just gone into Iraq, She was only 21 then. Said, it was crazy. Oh, my gosh. It was so crazy. Yeah. So, um, no, I was listening to NPR one day, and they were talking about these... Um, families these military families uh you know the guys were all off in iraq doing you know horrible things fighting fighting with the fighting and um they were talking about these i know those men and they're fighting yeah Um, sorry i shouldn't be no it's all good it's all good with the uh no no but i mean it just uh, the so anyway so the guys are abroad and they're telling the story about these families that are still at home taking care of like the whole town like these women and children that are all that's left behind these towns with no men and they're talking about, oh, my life is so hard. And I had just left this meeting where our customers were bitching because the tense I used on the verb on their screen was incorrect. And I'm like, okay, I have much smaller problems than these people. And I decided that I needed to go to nursing school. It was this complete random, wacky ass. This is NPR is for NPR responsible NPR is responsible for, for my nursing career. Okay. So I, Did you I, write them a little letter and say thank I, you for you changing know, I, my I life? I didn't. I hadn't. I Bob Edwards totally or whoever was on then? I need to figure out, honestly, I need to figure out who that is because that was a, that was a pretty, I, I know exactly where, were you? where I was. Where you? were in the car? I was in the car and in I was little... pulling back into work um, after this like dismally boring and ridiculously trivial meeting, which was really depressing. I and mean, I'm like, I'm so depressed. And I'm listening to these women on the radio going, I'm so depressed because my husband's in Iraq and I have 17 children and I'm having to like work and pay the mortgage by myself. And I thought, I am so completely out of perspective mm-hmm. i have a really bad sense of what's important and and so, so just I, to screw my life i'm going to completely change my whole i life. did and i and i went to night school for um a couple years and uh did all my prerequisites and then jumped into nursing school in 2005 full-time wow. totally cool now that's it was, it was fun steve did it had a similar thing that's what i want to hear you, how right? you got from music to cake dude yeah. what's up with that tell us tell us how you because you, you okay, had an amazing so, life-changing moment um, music and cake same thing first of all the same thing making mixing, awesome, cool. mixing an album making a cake same thing you're mixing <laughs> frequencies you're mixing ingredients okay that's cooking, very interesting cooking cooking you're mixing ingredients music you're mixing ingredients same exact thing okay. so you really see it like that absolutely that's pretty huh. neat yeah totally it's so clear in my head so I don't you know um, so anyway I moved to New Orleans had a, I have 15 platinum records and five Grammy nominations. Worked with great people. Owned a recording studio. I wanted to own my own label. Mm-hmm. That was that was the goal. And and I realized at a certain point I was going to have to sell my soul. Yeah. I was just going to have to. It's like at a certain point you have to sell yourself out. I had never done that. And I had friends that would not let me do that. Let me just ask you one second. What does that entail to say sell out? Um, what would you have to sell your soul? What would you have had to yeah. have done that you weren't doing? It's just a recording. Music. I, all right. So first of all, I own a recording studio. You? Well, I got screwed over a lot because I would not screw other people over. Hmm. You know, I mean, I got five bands record deals okay. and watched them all blow it. 
like watch them watch five bands that I went out and worked to get them a record deal, watch them get different forms of record deals at the time, whether a developmental or an album deal or two albums, and watch the whole thing. All five of them just fell apart. And all five of them didn't pay me a dime. Wow. So, so, you know, so I bought this studio, this nice recording studio, Neve Console, studio tape machine yep. at the time. It was totally... This is here in know, New Orleans? This is here in New Orleans. Loved music. Loved New Orleans music. Totally. Because I had worked on only pop music, you know, in, in L.A., which was awesome. You know, it's what I wanted to do. But I really began loving music and working on music, owning the studio, Kind of like owning a restaurant where suddenly you're put in a business situation where your, crea- your, your creativity brought you to a business situation and you have to take care of the business. And, and I was 27 when I bought this very expensive recording studio, put all my money into it, and you know it wasn't happening as fast as I hoped it would. And it's a long time by the, from the time you get a, someone record deal by the time they ever come up with a record. And by the time someone gets paid for it, it's years down the so road. So it was pretty yeah. stressful. So yeah, it was stressful. So, um, but and it was all on you to get it done. Totally, yeah, totally love, totally loved it. But um, you know, love the creative end of things. Didn't like owning a recording studio, and um, so you know, and and at the time there was a bunch of music out to pay the bills of the recording studio that I just did not want to do. Uh, so you had guys coming in and you had to sit and listen to this crap yeah. and you didn't even like it. Yeah, yeah. It was oh, just I like, see. you know, okay. so, so I couldn't, you know, I couldn't do that. And, but it was stuff that I did not agree with, you know, from a perspective of uh, not just musically but morally. Just oh, didn't, really? Yeah, it was morally? Just, yeah, well, were just, they Satan worshippers or something? Uh, it could have been It could have been that. It could have been. It was a time when, it was a time when two live, it was a time when like two live crew was really big. Yeah. So everyone was trying to imitate them and every bad club owner tried to have their own club mix going on. And then this, and so, you know, they always, so it was really like, I can't do this. Like, I can't do this. Now, I will say this, on the other end of that spectrum, I did work with Manny Fresh a lot in a day when he was like, when I had to drive him home from the studio. So, I Manny, mean. remember that day. So, um, <laughs> so, but, I mean, so I did work with some cool people, and yeah. that, was not, that was not a reason for, uh, he was not, and that, what I was doing with him and that group of people was not, what I'm referring to, there were other more intense groups of people right. that just was not going to work for me. Right. So I stopped taking music that I didn't want to work on, which meant I wasn't going to make any money, which I couldn't pay the bills, which the bills weren't, nothing was happening fast enough. So I had to sell the studio. And I took, and I, I actually, before high, uh, uh, there was kind of this decision, was I going to go to the Culinary Institute of America after high school, I was going to move out to L.A. with my dad. And, oh, so and this was something that was, that was sort of in yeah. your back pocket. Yeah, it was definitely, definitely something. I, I had worked in a restaurant. I loved working in a restaurant, but I really wanted to make records. Like, that was, that was like, laser focus. But, you know, I did, like... The, you I did, did succeed like, in making records. You made yeah. tons of records. totally. So, uh, um, I, t- I guess I, bet I took about a year off and moved to Nashville after I sold the studio and really took a year, year off, and I couldn't really live on... didn't want to, like, use all my savings... So I started delivering pizzas just to clear my head and make some extra money. And I made a ton of money delivering pizzas in Nashville and hated Nashville music scene. Like, <laughs> yeah. hate, hate it. And uh, couldn't get a gig, and I just said, like, all right, forget it. So um, I started, uh, some friends said, hey, why don't you start baking cakes? And I started baking these cakes. Some friends said, why don't you start baking cakes? Because that happened yeah, to me think, last yeah. week. That happens all the time. Yeah. Well, I mean, what, you know, they were, they were, they were very good that? friends. They were very good friends. And, um, but they had had your cakes before, and they were all like, well, no, they, were, they, they actually helped me develop the recipes at the time, oh. and, and they kind of put me 
into a position where I was like, okay, I'll start baking these cakes. And it was a real growing experience. I'm giving you a, like a, a very Reader's Digest version of it. But it, this was like a lot of self-improvement growth. Go, right. move, going from making hit records to selling slices of cake on the street doesn't happen wow, with yeah. an easy or delivery. Right. Well, let's go back to <laughs> that <laughs> sentence. Delivery pieces, this, well, this is not an easy transition cake, I'm selling, talking about. Selling slices of cake on the street was what you were doing when I saw you, you were walking right. around in the French Quarter in the burning heat with a big tray. Exactly, and you really? had that. You had that. We had that. When you talk about like the first guy yeah. to ever envision, you know, XM, you guys were way ahead of the curve. That's right. We had that whole broadcasting That's company right. on Bourbon Street, and, exactly. And you wandered in with this big silver tray with pieces cake. of chocolate cake. I'm and like, you got it, Steve Himmelfarb from from the recording studio, That's is walking right. around, sure enough, with a Panama hat and a and a, and a Hawaiian shirt and, his, and his a giant m- tray of pieces of chocolate cake. <laughs> that was it. And all I did was bake chocolate cake for like five years. And um, then I started making Five cake. years of chocolate cake. Yeah. Every day really, you bake just, it was just like, the chocolate cake, right? Right, right. It was really like a, uh, you know, kind of like, you know, you hear about monks that bake bread and they see their changes taking place in the bread. And it was really a very spiritual experience to get up and bake these cakes. What and time did you get up? I never really slept. Wow. Never, <laughs> really? Never, never What's really up slept. with that? I don't know. I trained myself at one point to stay up for like two or three days at a time and never feel tired. You I mean, trained? How did you yeah. train yourself to do that? Without you just drugs? Did it. I just did it. No drugs. No. You just stayed up for two or three days? Yeah. I, I would like work because I was delivering pizzas still yeah. here in town. And then I would come home and bake cakes and I would maybe sleep for like an hour or two and I'd go out and sell the cakes. Is it just like the passion of making cakes? or, or it would, No, it was, really kind, it was or really kind of like I, I said, okay, well, if I'm going to... If I'm going to make enough money that I'm used to living on, I have to do what I have to do yeah. to do right. it. And Did you think maybe you could l- live on less money and sleep? <laughs> no, that, 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 that thought never really occurred <laughs> to me. And what about these so-called friends of yours? Didn't they tell you that was a bit uh, obsessive? It wasn't really obsessive at the time. It, it wasn't? Because they were all sleeping. like Jones and for the cake. They're like, <laughs> where's <laughs> my cake, <laughs> man? <laughs> you know, Grant, Grant was calling me every afternoon. Yeah. Give me a cake, give me a cake. Where's the cake? That chocolate cake kept us going every afternoon at 4 o'clock. You know, I'm like, okay, dude, I won't sleep tonight. I'll give you the chocolate cake. So it's really all Grant. It's, it's all right. my fault. It's but right but you, were, you were not sleeping. I mean, and you were, were you eating much of this chocolate cake? Were you wired up like No, no, that? it wasn't wired at all. No, this was really, you have to really kind of take a, uh, this was all really a spiritual exercise. This was, I, I've taken, I studied with a spiritual teacher for a long time. So this has came from some sort of spiritual Th- yes, this is all has a inside, very, not from some sort of right. exterior desire to make right, a huge exactly. amount of money, no, really. No, no, this, this was all really about changing myself, who I was on the inside, to... Uh, reflect who I wanted to be. So why did you say it was all about making a whole lot of money? Was that just the, is that the party line that you say? So it sounds normal? Did I actually say I wanted to make a whole lot of money? Yeah, you said, I, yes, okay, you did, didn't you? Are you my witnesses? Yes. <laughs> I think you said to, to make the kind of money that you need to, oh, yeah. you right. were comfortable living on, you right, had exactly. to excessively Well, yeah, work. exactly. Well, because I wasn't making a lot of money delivering pizzas, and I wasn't making a lot of money selling slices of cake, but there was a bit of a mission to get past, there was a bit of a mission that even I could not see at the time because I was only really concentrating on the spiritual aspect of, you know, focusing on the cakes. It has to have a better, like, anytime I tried to do, like, some other thing, it would kind of fall apart. So, like, I knew I was doing the right thing, even though it wasn't very easy. Mm. And so I just stayed, kept doing, I mean, come on, you went to night school. Yeah. You know, I mean, you studied. You do what you got to do, yeah. But do people did do. think you were crazy because you were the cake guy. Yeah, I mean, it, it was, was great to me. see you. It was fantastic it was when the cake guy came in with his big tray of pieces of chocolate cake for But $2. how crazy was it when the but recording engineer came with this piece well, of cake? Like, this guy's on a mission. Well, this only guy's got like very on. few people, people didn't believe me if I even told him that. Mm-hmm. And so yeah, I didn't really right. talk about that. You know, that's, you know, that's not even a, 
something that because no one believed they looked like I was an idiot you know so but because he's the crazy cake guy right exactly like oh yeah I used to work with Motley Crue yeah okay dude yeah Yeah, right man Zarek from the doors but so you know so going back to it yeah you you saw a vision you knew what you had to do and you went and did it and it meant I know you didn't sleep sometimes three hours a night or something like that so yeah same thing basically but looking back on it now you see that there was a there was a point Mm -hmm. to it there was a shape and a pattern to all this did you have an idea like where you were headed no I had no idea you were sort of just working through whatever just working through whatever I needed to work through to get to the next thing and never saw it never saw it as a like when I was in when I entered the music business I had a goal Uh and that goal was to get to the next was to like I said own a record label own a recording studio own a record label and when I saw that you know when I saw the ending was on the wall it was on the wall and um, so you know it was just kind of like what am I going to do next and there was this year off that I took and it was really kind of about just getting away, really kind of focusing on what I need to do next for the rest of my life. And, and I never saw it getting to 20 years later owning the Cake Cafe. Okay, there was... That wasn't... There wasn't even a possibility. So you could time. have ended up still being the craziest guy on the street. No, no, I knew I didn't want to do that. Like, I knew that... But it was, you knew that it was going to lead to something. It had, yeah, I knew that it had to lead someplace. Right. I knew that... That's I faith. knew that I had, yeah, I totally believed in what I was doing. So you had faith in yourself. Absolutely, faith in myself. And you had faith in yourself, and you have faith in yourself. Scary as like, crap, though. I mean, it's totally crazy scary. scary, yeah. It's, you know, I think the most, the most successful people I've ever met and the most scared people I've ever met are the most vulnerable people I've ever met. And putting yourself out there on the line every single day hmm. and being vulnerable, you will become successful because you're just out there. And people respond to that. That's they, a nice thought. Yeah. So that's that's, my, that's, that's what performing is, I guess. Yeah, yes. for sure. Yeah, you're exactly right. No. And we've come full circle. Oh. <laughs> Welcome. <laughs> this is very. I think and this is Grant Moore's. Welcome. Right. To- I think we might just wrap it up there, don't you think? <laughs> Can we do any it's better than that? That was good. Yeah, that was that. That I mean, was a pretty interesting a good, sort of a conversation for an hour. Good ending. Cool. Very, very that inspirational. Is, that was very inspirational. Indeed, the whole thing. And cool. so you've got something to look forward to, Christoph. I do. A whole yeah, yeah. lifetime of. Right. I mean, when Steve, when you were Christoph's age, you thought you had it all mapped out too, and then you went a whole different direction. Oh, yeah, man. I had just probably, you know, gotten the job at Capitol, and I was on Cloud Nine. That's all I wanted to do. You yeah. know, I was, it was in the studio again, you know, 20 hours a day. So it wasn't any different. Yeah. You know, there, there, it was just, I don't work any less hours now than I did when I was something. your age. I'm yeah. just totally doing something right. different. You're very happy, though, right? Yeah, I am happy. You're very happy doing what you're doing. You seem extremely happy, and you just got married, so that that's awesome. Can't be good. Yeah. And you're much happier doing what you're doing. I am. It's I never I, the people that I have I've lost touch with for 20 years are all like you're doing what? But I I, <laughs> I can't imagine doing anything else. It's phenomenal. You're a nurse. Love it. Love Bed, it. Bedpans, blood, and I am all about the poop and the vomit. Uh, totally. I'm. Any of you guys <laughs> throw up right now? I am on it. Yeah. I'm okay. on it. So wow, if you're feeling sick, I, I am feeling, I'm feeling a little nauseous. Okay, here I go. Yeah. <laughs> Steve bought oh, us some wonderful cakes as well, but talking of, you know, not throwing up, yeah. of course. But excellent. Thank you very much for <laughs> bringing well, I hope you all can Okay, your thank you so much, Steve Himmelfarg from the Cake Cafe and Bakery, Nurse Julie Arendt, and Christoph Anderson. Thank you. There's links to all their information and websites on our site right there on itsnewwellness.com. That's been Happy Hour for uh, another hour. Our producers are Melinda Hawes, Trish Kaufman, and Nicole Howard. Our executive producer is Tanya Castellanos. Mitch Cry does our technical direction, and Christian Unruh is our music director. Our web designer and our link to the real world is Copenhagen Cliff, otherwise known as Cliff Brigden, who's currently in Copenhagen, hopefully having a fun time. Can you believe that you can work on this show in Copenhagen? 
Really? Yeah. yeah. He's in Copenhagen and I'll he's working the on the show time. right now. It's just crazy. Oh, well, Isn't the next time, send me to Copenhagen. Yeah. <laughs> or Poland. Me too. That'd be great. Yeah, right. Okay. Thanks. Poland, yeah. Our theme has been written and is being played right now by Mitch Foreman. If you'd like to be on our show, drop us a line at itsneworleans at gmail.com. Come on down to the Collins Hotel where we record the show live every Thursday at 4 o'clock. You're welcome to come down and join us if you'd like to come and stay at the Columns. It's a great place to stay if you're visiting New Orleans and a great place to come and have a drink if you're coming to New, if you're already in New Orleans. Come and check out our other happy hour shows on our site. It's neworleans.com, including Psych Ward, and there's tons more happy hours to listen to as well. Until next time on Happy Hour, I'm Grant Morris. Uh,